today on CityCast Madison. When you call 911 in Madison with a non-violent mental health crisis, chances are you'll now get a paramedic and a crisis worker instead of a police officer. Madison started this program called CARES two years ago after the city was rocked by protests. A series of residents who were experiencing mental health episodes or were intoxicated were shot dead by police. Now, political leaders are poised to expand the program. Host Bianca Martin caught up with Madison Assistant Fire Chief Chase Stedman to learn how it all works. It's Monday, October 16th. I'm Molly Stentz, and here's what Madison's talking about. Chief Stedman, hello. Hi there. So Dane County Executive Joe Parisi is proposing a big expansion of the CARES program. What's the latest? Yeah, so um, fortunately, um, Executive Parisi um, has been keeping a close eye on what we've been doing in Madison with our CARES program, our crisis response team. And um, quite a few of the cities and villages in Dane County and specifically right around Madison are interested in receiving the same services. So um, Executive Parisi is is offering some matching funds to those communities um, to help expand CARES into those areas. Yeah. And and which communities are those? So um, right now, um, there's a number of communities that are interested in what we're really looking at is the Madison metro area. So any community that touches the city of Madison. So you can just kind of go around, you know, Middleton, Fitchburg, Monona, Sun Prairie, um, basically everybody in our area has voiced some sort of interest. So, you know, it's still early. Um, We're not sure exactly which areas we're going to be expanding out into. I've been on a number of meetings with the cities and villages of, of Dane County and um, giving them presentations. And there hasn't been anybody yet that thinks this is a bad program. I think everybody's just a little bit concerned about, you know, the finances behind it and, the, you know, the logistics about uh, how it's all going to work. People want to know the fine details, <laughs> but they, they said something seems to be going right. So before we get too deep, can you walk us through what a typical call that CARES would respond to? And there actually isn't a typical call other than to say um, it's behavioral health emergencies that come through the 911 center. So that can range um, anything from people having suicidal ideation to having maybe an anxiety attack, really extreme depression episodes. So just really anything that you can imagine that isn't a medical call or isn't a, you know another call for law enforcement or the fire department in some other capacity. So it could be something as simple as a check welfare call. In other words, you know, if uh, your grandma lives in Madison, but you live in Minneapolis and you haven't been able to get a hold of your grandma for a few days and you're concerned and you call the 911 center, the 911 center is going to dispatch cares for that check person call. And what we found is that when we go on these check person or check welfare type calls, about 50 some percent of them end up having some sort sort of mental health component to them anyway. So we're able to help in those instances. And and we're also able to help save the police department some operational stress of having to go on these check welfare calls when it really isn't a law enforcement issue. Can you talk about when CARES started? I feel like it's a moment of collective uh, mental health crisis. Uh, Yeah, for for sure. So we we started um, operating September 1st of 2021, but it was the summer before that that we actually kind of started the planning. And um, really the the catalyst for it was one of our alder persons, Arvina Martin, 
at the time came to the fire chief and said, you know, chief, we need to do something different with our mental health response in the city of Madison. Um, and at the time, there were a lot of other really strong non-law enforcement programs going on around the country. So we didn't have to invent this new crisis response model. Um, we just reached out, did research, found out what the best practices were. And it took us a while um, in that planning phase because what we recognized very quickly was that um, this wasn't just going to be a Madison Fire Department initiative. You know, it wasn't possible for us to just hire a couple of social workers and throw them out on the streets and go on 911 calls. It's actually quite a bit more complicated than that. And it starts out at the state level. Um, so the, the State Department of Health Services has an administrative code that outlines what mobile crisis response looks like in the state of Wisconsin, and they give the legislative or statutory authority to each county. So my next phone call was to Dane County Human Services because they need to oversee our program. And um, what we um, ended up finding with Dane County Human Services was, they, was that they were very agreeable to us starting this program. And they contract crisis services with Journey Mental Health here in Madison. And so that's how we ended up working closely with Journey in this initiative. So our team is one paramedic from the fire department and one crisis worker from Journey Mental Health that respond together on these behavioral health crises. So what we're really trying to do is provide, you know, not just mental health interventions in, in an appropriate way, right? Having that crisis worker be the first person that walks through the door after a 911 call is important, but we also are able to provide medical assessment at the same time with that paramedic being on the team. And so um, through the coordination of Dane County Human Services and Journey Mental Health, we also needed to coordinate a lot with the Madison Police Department because they were the agency that was going on all of these calls previously. And, and the police department here in Madison, you know, they, they've had quite a bit of extra mental health training. They have mental health officers that work with Journey Mental Health. But what we found in researching best practices around the country, that a non-law enforcement response to nonviolent behavioral health emergencies is just the best way to provide the best service for our citizens, right? No matter how good police officers are at doing their job, the fact that they carry, you know, uh, the, the badge on their chest and a gun on their hip, it can be escalating for some people. And it's not really their duty to manage all of these behavioral health calls, no matter how much they train for it. It's not what law enforcement should be expected to do. And so we're just trying to provide our citizens with the with the best type of behavioral health response, which for us is that is that behavioral health clinician and paramedic. Yeah, I feel like we have to underscore the name CARES, right? Looking at the name CARE and some of these calls need a different touch. Yeah, for sure. We wanted to name it Madison CARES. So we had to come up with an acronym that would fit into CARES. And so it's Community Alternative Response Emergency Services. That's how we made that name fit. <laughs> but and it ended up being appropriate. But yeah, you know, this has just been a, a situation where a lot of not just city government agencies came together with one common vision, but a lot of folks in the community, a lot of providers in the community. I'm really proud of seeing a program like this flourish like it is. Um, you know, city government can can be a little clunky. It can be hard for agencies to work together because of contracts and everything else that you can imagine that that goes into place with 911 response. But um, everybody has really come together under the same vision. So it's been really good to see. I did want to ask about how your working relationship was like with the police, you know, as this is something that calls that they would have taken in the past. Now it's, you know, it's 
going in a different direction. Like, what does that look like? We've always been very collaborative with the police department. You know, when you think about fire and police just in general, you know, our paramedics and firefighters routinely have to work with the police department for a number of different reasons, right? Whether it's domestic disputes with, with somebody injured or car accidents or major crimes that involve injuries of some sort, we, we've always had a, a good working relationship. Um, and when this CARES program started, we had the police department in the meetings from the very start, because like you mentioned, they were the ones that were going on these calls previously. So we had to look through a lot of their data. So what we did is we looked through two years worth of police department data from 2018 to 2020 to find out where in the city the most behavioral health responses were being called in and what time of day and what time of week. So um, we knew where we should start. So our initial kind of pilot program was in the central police district from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday because the police department data told us those were the busiest times and the busiest geographic location in the city. So that's where we started and, and we slowly expanded. Now we respond citywide with multiple teams between the hours of 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. and seven days a week. But it's been a slow growing process for the last two years. Um, it was actually just this last month that we started responding to calls on Saturdays and Sundays. For two years, we had just been a Monday through Friday operation because that's what the budget allowed. And yeah, the police department has been um, a really good partner in this. They helped train some of our folks with some of the de-escalation techniques that that they were taught. And, you know, we, we actually do still to this day work very closely with them on behavioral health calls because... If a call comes into the 911 center about a person having a behavioral health emergency and that person has a weapon or is acting violently, police still need to go to that scene first to make sure it's safe. And once that happens, they can bring the CARES team in and the, the law enforcement officer can go about their job enforcing the law and, and let the, the CARES team come in and take over that patient. So there's a lot of co-responses. There's still a lot of working together. They talk to each other on the radio. They share information about people. Um, it's it really is a, a collaboration, and and the police department is happy to have us going on these calls for them, right? So that they can free their time up to to enforce laws. And so, in the last two years that we've been in service, we've been on over thirty four hundred calls for service. So that's thirty four hundred times that police didn't have to manage the whole thing by themselves. Would you say that CARES is a success story? Yeah, I absolutely would, and I I'd say it. For the simple fact of what I just told you, they've been on 3,400 calls um, where they've been able to be the responder instead of police. Now, that that might not be considered success for some people, right? It depends on, on the audience you're talking to. A lot of people say to me, well, what are the outcomes? How do we know these people are doing better because care is responded? And, and it's really hard to, to survey every patient that we have interactions with. We do try to follow up with phone calls a day or two after the intervention to see if they're following up with the resources that we um, may have um, referred them to just to see how they're doing in general. And so we know from those follow-up phone calls when people say, hey, you know, thank you for the help. So there's a lot of anecdotes, but there, you know, I can't say that, you know, 87% of the time, people are doing much better six months after our intervention, right? How, how far downstream do people need to be doing better to consider us a success? I just try to keep it simple. We collect a ton of data on the demographics of our patients, on what the outcome of the call that day is. So in other words, did we transport them to a mental health provider in the community? Were we able to just help them in their home and they didn't need to be transported anywhere? 
about 14% of the people that we receive 911 calls from only want help over the phone. And that surprised me. So the CARES team actually manages 14% of those 3,400 calls because people don't want anybody to come visit them and they don't want to have you know anybody walk through their door. So they're able to help them on the phone. So they act like a crisis line. I consider it a success because we're, we're doing what's best practice around the country. We're doing the best we can possibly for the citizens in Madison. And um, all the feedback that we've gotten has been positive. So the CARES program is two years old. And as you were talking about, the operations were not staffed all the way on nights and weekends. You're now expanding. I'm curious about how that impacts service, because it it sounds like you guys started that way because that was the data provided from the police department. And now you're kind of looking into expanding. And some folks might think that nighttime would be more of a a time when, you know, things go down. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And, and, And I was honestly surprised to hear that the weekdays were busier than the weekends. Um, as a paramedic for many years working downtown, I was typically busiest on the weekends, but it was really because of a lot of UW students probably drinking too much. So that, that was why our paramedics are maybe busier on the weekends downtown. But looking at the data is, is incredibly important because we, we didn't have to guess what we should be doing. We, we knew the hot spots. We knew the times of day. But having said that, people do have behavioral health emergencies at two in the morning. And so it's, it's an appropriate question to say, hey, why aren't you providing these services 24-7? And, and that is our long-term goal, right? Our vision is to have a 24-7 CARES teams available. But one thing that, that is a barrier to that is that at two in the morning, there aren't any services open in our area to transport people to other than emergency rooms, right? A lot of our social services are only open during the day. So one thing that's going to help with that is the county exec has in the county budget a 24-7 mental health triage center. So in other words, a brick and mortar facility where people can go 24 hours a day to receive behavioral health treatment, uh, whether it's short term, hopefully long term. And the same thing that all of the details aren't worked out with it. But when that facility opens up so that we have a place to take people at two in the morning, we'll have a lot more incentive to be providing services, but it is gonna be more expensive, right? To pay for people to be working these crisis response team 24 seven, it just gets more expensive. So there's budgetary issues and there's also resource availability issues at two in the morning. That makes sense. That's also very exciting, the idea of a triage center coming to fruition. When might, might we know more about that? Good question. I know that um, the the county, I believe, has found the land for the the building. I believe it's going to be down by the Alliant Energy Center on this on the south side. And I believe what they're doing now is um, they have a request for services out to organizations that will be able to provide care. And so I think they're looking for a provider at this point. But um, I, I I'm careful to say too much because I I hear a lot of this third hand. One of the things you mentioned was that the program. You didn't have to recreate the wheel. There was a program, Cahoots, in Eugene, Oregon. Now, Denver and San Francisco have a similar crisis response teams. How would you say our CARES program compares with other cities um, and how they're doing it? So, so the, the one big thing is that not a lot of these programs are run out of municipal fire departments. So San Francisco and Denver and a number of other programs are run through the fire department, similar to ours. But the CAHOOTS program in Eugene, Oregon, which is the the country's um, longest crisis response, like civilian 
crisis response team. I think they've been in service for around 30 years. They have a unique situation because they're um, not run through the police department or the fire department. They have what I understand to be kind of like a nonprofit set up. They have a clinic that's right next to them that they're embedded with. I believe it's called the White Bird Clinic. And there's just different state statutes and city ordinances that allow them to do certain things that other cities and other states can't. But when we found other models that were most similar to what we were going to be able to do in Madison, those were the ones we looked at. Even San Francisco is different from us. Although it's run through the fire department, they have a bunch of different specialty teams, like a team that works specifically with homeless folks, a team that works specifically um, with the elderly population, for instance. And they have peer support people that are like a third member on the team that they take out and respond with them. So, you know, really every model is a little bit nuanced and a little bit different based on the needs of the city that they're in. And this is one of those emerging practices that is um, relatively inexpensive, but incredibly effective. I was really fascinated and excited to see that you have a master's in psychology. That's exciting, (laughs) considering your leadership. And also the fact that I feel like there's a trend towards giving mental health and mental health awareness more time and space in terms of what it means for our communities and what it means for the safety of our communities. You know, Governor Evers has named this the year of mental health, and we're seeing a lot of that. How have you been seeing that in terms of on the municipal level and the county level in terms of people taking mental health more seriously? I can, I can give you a good example. Um, the, the paramedic program, if you want to be a paramedic, is approximately 1,200 hours of school and then another couple hundred hours of clinical time in the field. Of those 1,200 hours that you have in school, 16 hours were dedicated to mental health. So so you can see it just in that core curriculum that mental health issues weren't focused on too greatly. But now there's a lot of programs popping up around retraining or giving people extra training in, in, the, in the area of mental health. So for instance, NAMI, um, which is a national organization, they offer a 40-hour course. It's called a CIT or crisis intervention training course for folks just like police officers and firefighters that haven't had a lot of it before. Municipal departments are picking up on this stuff and they're recognizing that we need to be responding in the most appropriate way possible. And I think this is something that we've kind of in the past didn't focus enough on. How do you think CARES could improve at all moving forward? The biggest thing that I want to make sure is that our responders are safe in what they're doing and the services they're providing are the best that we can possibly manage in the city of Madison. You know, when we refer people to the appropriate service, sometimes there's not a bed open in that organization, or sometimes that service is closed or they don't have enough capacity. And so seeing um, just our general social services in this area um, be expanded. Dane County is very resource rich. I'm certainly not complaining because we live in a great city and, and in a great county. But, you know, we could always use um, an expansion of those services. So like when I mentioned that 24-7 mental health triage center, those are the things that are going to help improve our services. Chief Stedman, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us about the CARES program and the expansion and for your service to the city. Yeah, of course. I appreciate your time. That was Bianca Martin speaking with Madison Assistant Fire Chief Chase Stedman. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Conservative firebrand Ben Shapiro plans to speak at UW-Madison next month. 
the Young Americans for Freedom student group is bringing him on November 6th at Shannon Hall in the Memorial Union. The event is free, but the group's Eventbrite website said tickets are already sold out. And lawmakers will vote on the Brewer Stadium renovations soon. State lawmakers are deciding whether to spend half a billion dollars of public money on the stadium. The Brewers would agree to lease it for another 20 years. The State Assembly plans to vote on Tuesday. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Molly Stentz. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with someone you care about? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Ciao.